Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Brampernard. Doug just said I was terrible on the morning show, so I don't I don't know if you know if I could be. I didn't on say anymore. you were terrible. <laughs> I know you didn't. I'm picking on you. I love picking yeah, on you. Yeah, you're a tough guy when you're seven states away, I've noticed. Mm. Well, that's true. That's a very good point. Get up here point. and say it to my face. Yeah, pill. <laughs> we will be right back, kick things off with the family. Walzer Automotive Group is turning over this Walzer commercial to our good friend Michael Bryant, who has some exciting news to share. Mike, you're up. I went in, I went in there today to get uh, oil change and get uh, work done on a fuel pump uh, on the vehicle and a recall that was part of the vehicle. And it, it was amazing. Um, you go in there. I got helped by a guy named Mike that did just a great job. And then you sit in there and you wait. And uh, during the time I was waiting, I got a couple of videos. One video was about your car. And then the second video was an actual video of your car and the work they were doing to check your tires and what they were doing to check um, your brakes and if you needed anything else. And then, you know, they originally said it was going to last take about three and a half hours and it was done in an hour and a half so it was it was amazing it was just great work and so i i called doug today to tell him i'd be happy to do a commercial for walzer because it was great work great service and you know i drank enough coffee to pay for everything <laughs> that was done so well that, that was at our toyota store um and thanks mike for for talking about that we haven't really talked about it much in public but it was actually a, an idea that andrew walzer had last year is to connect the customers with the people that actually work on the car. It's his uh, his saying is, you know, let's have the doctors talk directly to the patients rather than going through the receptionist, which, you know, that's really not what a service writer is, but it does allow for direct communications. And these videos are real. People really like that. It's like, God, they're actually, they show me what I need to do to my car and what's cool. So thanks for calling that out. I don't even know if we have a name for it. Just go to a Walzer store and have your car serviced and get a personal video. You can it share it with your friends. You can share it, it with cool your friends. your own car. When I said when I heard that I was going to get a video, I did. You know, I figured it was going to be some. You know, just basically propaganda. Go ahead and say it. But it was my car. You know, it was my car, and they were actually showing me stuff in my car. That was great, and and the service was just was fabulous. So they do a great job down there. Another. Great commercial from Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer. <laughs> God. 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 <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I said, sisters, if you only knew. You would wish you were in 
God, Doug, you sound really good on that song. Yeah. Well, that, that cool know. little guitar part in there is me. I know it is. I, that's what I'm saying. You sound really... Would you think I was ripping you like you always rip me? Is that no, what you're no, 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 no. Speaking of which, when we get the album done, we'll play some of it on one of the podcasts. There's a couple of songs that feature that Stratocaster you gave me about... Oh, was that a year and a half ago or whenever it was? Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago. A couple oh, at of least tunes a year and a half just, ago, yeah. It's perfect on and It just sounds... It it's a great guitar. Yeah, it records really, really well. Let's see if Mike's still on the line. I think he is. Mike, hey, you still Bryan. there? No, he nope. went back to work, I guess. Doesn't look like it. Oh, well. Oh, well. I don't know about back to work. Let's not get just, carried away. I'm being kind because he listens to all these. You are. He does. He listens to that every show. True. I know that. That is absolutely right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I just saw a story. I haven't clicked on this story yet, so I don't know what this means. But um, the headline on the story, so it shows a bunch of sushi, sushi. right? And it says, Taiwan asks people to stop changing names to salmon. What? Mm. What does that mean? Dozens of people have altered their monikers to take advantage of restaurant sushi promotion. A restaurant chain promotion has led to what local media is calling salmon chaos in Taiwan, where people are now changing their names to get free or discounted sushi. The Central News Agency reports the two-day offering from Sushiro Entitles anyone whose name includes the Chinese characters Guizhou, uh, which translates to salmon, to receive a free all-you-can-eat meal for themselves and five companions. So to get salmon, to, to get salmon sushi for six people, you'll change your name. Yeah, and like it, what's more... worse is you'd have to put up with how Guizhouan. Nah, yeah, huh? it's probably Guizhou. a very common joke in China. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. I'm sure it is. Those Chinese probably comedians. True. No question about it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, yeah, the, you can get free sushi for you and five other people, but you have to change your name. But they don't want anybody to change their name anymore. They're done with it. Well, They're I feel fed like up. The process to change your name would be almost as expensive as the sushi itself. So yeah, you would think. How does that work? Yeah, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't work at all, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, I have a question for both of you guys because it's something that came up this morning. Um, uh, there was an article in the Star Tribune this morning concerned that the uptick in violence toward Asian Americans, uh, the Star Tribune has a fear that's going to start happening. But I don't You think Minnesotans, I, I understand the dimwit, some morons think that, oh, it's because China did this, we're going to attack all Asians. I don't see Minnesotans doing that, do you? I, I, if you do see it, hopefully it's a really small segment of the population. I, you know, it's and it and it's terrible that it happens. I mean, just innocent yeah. citizens getting beat up because of where you know their genetic makeup. That's just stupid. And I, I would hope that most people <laughs> see the idiocy in that. My kids are half Korean, and I was asking about that the other day, and they're like, "Yeah, no, nobody says anything to us." So, well, that's good. That's a good sign. I I just don't I don't understand why this whole situation. And from what I understand, what I was told by by some of my friends who who are black, is that a lot of black people and Asians are getting in battles now. Which I what's that all about? Well, that's kind of always happened. Um, you know, oh, has it really? Oh okay. yeah, remember the movie Do the Right Thing? The the, the yeah. Uh, the, yep. the, uh, a lot of the black actors in that you know their characters were really mad at the Koreans for. 
you know, there there is a sentiment in some big cities. New York, one is that the you know the Koreans moved into the you know the black neighborhoods, took over the grocery stores, and they're just ripping oh, people yeah. off. That's not so. That's been going on for a long time, thirty or forty years. So, but yeah, I don't I think don't, all I, black people hate. All Asian people. It's just you know you can't no. paint everything with a broad brush. I mean, but there is some basis and and reality to that. I think. Right. Uh, well, once again, you know, white people are the worst human beings on earth, which is a, a, just a touch racist. I think. I mean, I happen to be a honky, so I don't really understand how you can take millions and millions and millions of people and judge them by their skin color. How stupid are you? Yeah, stupid that is every right? human ever born in history, apparently. Yeah, exactly. I guess I I don't understand it. I really I really do not understand where this hatred. Well, I do understand where it came from. It came from digital, which you were warned about a decade ago. This was going to be happening. You cannot turn a wide open forum over to morons because they're going to do exactly what they did. Yep. They're going to puke out their hatred, and it's going to carry over on other people. It's not. I, wouldn't you say ninety five percent? I don't go on social media. But when you say about 95% of people, 97% of people wouldn't think of saying the things that those few few percentage people do. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. God. I mean, you hate everybody. Jesus. How? Why do you want to hate people? I don't really understand that. I don't get it. Look, I know people have their their faults and their foibles and all the rest of it. I mean... Human beings are far too interested in money for me. Money, money, money. Oh, God, anything for money. Um, so I, I, that's the one part of humans I don't like. Politicians in general are greedy pricks and big tech. I mean, you, you, they get way too much in. I, we were talking about this this morning. When I was a kid, I remember my father was very, very excited, uh, and he en- eventually lost his job, and it ruined his life. But I remember my father bringing home five $20 bills because he had cha- cashed his check. And he laid the five $100 or dollar bills, uh, excuse me, five $20 bills on a table and said, God, look how much money we have. I remember that. I was like three years old. Yeah. And I remember that. And then, of course, uh, you move forward to the, oh, man, if I could ever make fifteen grand a year, that'd be a lot of dough, man, making fifteen grand a year. Now, if you're a millionaire, who gives a rat's ass? They don't even care about a millionaire anymore. That's right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, well, it's the scale that changes, obviously. And adjusted for inflation and all that stuff, we're really not wealthier now than we were 20 years ago. For the most part. Some people are. But But if you take the classes, like where most of us live, Mm -hmm. and between uh, lower middle and upper middle class, that is, you know, even though dollar-wise we're making more money, we really aren't. Right. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I mean, basically, uh, well, Mike Evans talked about uh, this morning. He said he guarantees by midsummer gas in California is going to be $6 a gallon. I don't yeah. doubt it. Well, oh. Europe's gas prices have been that oh, awful forever. or more for basically ever. You know, it's it's interesting because some things have gotten a lot cheaper, even not adjusted for inflation. I mean, Tom, Any you remember in the '60s, if cheaper. you had a color TV, you were like oh, a God, billionaire because yeah. they were like you know six hundred dollars, six hundred nineteen sixty-five dollars. Yep. 
Let's see, nineteen sixty-five dollars, yep. six hundred bucks. That'd be five thousand dollars. I was gonna say four or five grand now. Yeah, that's <laughs> five grand. And now you can get a, you know, you can buy a lower resolution sixty-inch flat screen if you watch the sales. Yeah, for a couple for like hundred bucks, two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, it's crazy how cheap TVs have gotten. Well, like and like I said, any tech. I mean, a one terabyte hard drive fifteen years ago would have yeah, been unthinkable right. for most people. Yeah, but now you yeah. can get one for God, probably eighty bucks on Amazon. The, the one thing that has it, you know, it counters that is is housing prices. The amount of money it takes. You know, apartment rents used to right, be right, you know, a week's income of you were you know making thirty or forty grand a year or whatever, and now it's, it's right. Just, one well, bedroom apartments in Minneapolis are twelve hundred dollars and more. A big part of that Jesus. is because the cities have gotten so big. I mean, yeah. fifty, sixty years ago, people weren't all in the cities like they are now. They weren't all renting apartments, no. luxury apartments in the city. A lot of people were living outside of the city. They were on, you know, family-owned farms, or they were out in like the suburbs. And those prices are still much cheaper than the city, and they always will be. But you you do have to compare, like, what is my house like compared to the house that my grandparents grew up in? Yeah. Because your grandparents' house, I'm guessing, didn't have a lot of the things your house does. No. Oh, no. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Even the st- you, you didn't have air conditioning in your house when you were a kid, did you, Tom? No. Yeah, no. no. Our I house has a dedicated outlet and... for a window AC unit. Yeah. None, nobody <laughs> had that mm-hmm. in, in Massachusetts no, in the no. 60s. It yep. was just unheard of. Yeah, no uh, central air, uh, forced air heating was somewhat rare. Yeah, we had usually oil burners in the East Coast. Well, yep. <laughs> oil furnaces yep. and and, uh, and hot water heaters. Yep, and radiators. Uh, your house definitely wasn't hooked up for the Internet. Oh. If it was hooked up for the phone, you were kind of lucky in some places. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the, just the amount of things that go... It's like cars. You compare a car 40 years ago to a car today, yeah. they're basically unrecognizable because of all the crap that they pack into these cars. So, they obviously, they're getting way more expensive, but you are paying for more. And I don't, Not a whole lot, if you look at it. It's, it's actually surprisingly close. I, you know, the, I think the thing that the modern cars lack... That the cars we grew up with in the '50s and '60s is really style. That's you know they're just those '60s cars were beautiful, and some of the stuff in the '50s. As actual automobiles, they weren't particularly great. I mean, they didn't handle very well. They true. weren't very safe. They required yes, a lot of maintenance. They, if you had a hundred thousand mile car, that was something special. Mm-hmm. We get right. calls every day at the Walzer stores from people that are pissed because they need a new water pump in a car with 120,000 miles on it. It's like, you know, it is, you're going to have to spend some money on it sooner or later. Yeah. So anyway. No, no question about it. Yeah, I was thinking about this. There was an economic crash, I believe it was in 1955 or 56. It's actually 58 because I happen to know <laughs> oh, that because that was okay. the year I was born. Right. It was a big recession. Oh, okay. Well, look at Huge. that. Huge. Because I was talking about my dad getting that big raise up to a hundred bucks a week, fifty two hundred dollars a year was huge dough. We lived in a downtown Minneapolis apartment right off of Loring Park called Spruce Place. Mm-hmm. It's still there. The building's still there. We lived in a downtown apartment, a three bedroom apartment. We had a brand new nineteen fifty. I guess it would have been a fifty seven. Uh, Ford, 56 Ford, I think it was actually. Mm-hmm. Beautiful sedan. I mean, it, we had nice clothes. I went to uh, Bas- the Basilica. 
I, you know, went to a private school, the whole deal. And that crash in 58, it ended my father's career. Oh, he no. never really worked again. Um, but you think about that, it's a situation where, where we, what we were just talking about, my father made $100 a week, which to fill up one of my two mafia cars, as Catherine calls them, <laughs> A week's income before taxes would not have been enough to fill that car up in California this summer. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, to be fair, in, so this yeah. year, this would have been, what, 1957 you're yeah. talking about? 57, 58. Yeah, 57, uh, $5,200 was 48000 So that's actually not a terrible amount of money, even by today's standards. So it standards. would have been, been 48000 bucks today? Yeah, so he was, he was taking home $48,000, so that's really not bad. Oh yeah, he was. He, that was a big deal, man. Was like, look how much money it we was have. A lot My of money. God, it sounds stupid that a hundred dollars was a lot of money, but it was <laughs> exactly. Well, and what's that's how much you know, changed, one of the though. things that's different is you could actually raise a family on that back then, and now it, it would be really hard to raise oh, a family. Yeah. It, it, You'd have to move somewhere that it's cheap. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is people all want the convenience of more expensive areas but then they're more expensive right. so it's kind of yeah. like you know do you want to be able to walk to you know 17 different asian taco fusion restaurants and no i want a fusion taco restaurant is enough for one me. is plenty <laughs> but it's like you know like oh God. Moving, living in new york city you don't live there because it's affordable no uh and if you're willing to live 45 minutes, an hour outside the city, you could raise a family on that, most likely, if you're willing to do a whole lot of commuting and a whole lot of staying at home. Yep. I could see that, absolutely. Well, I do remember, I can't remember which one it was, so it was one of uh, Michael, uh, what the hell is his name? Bilsky. What was the name of that? Bryant. No, yeah, it's Bilsky. Yeah, exactly. No, Michael Myers, uh, that character, what the hell is it? his his kooky Italian, I mean, English spy character. Oh, was uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, yeah. Austin Powers. Remember the Mr. The Dr. Evil? Mm -hmm. If you don't give, bring it to me now, <laughs> I'll charge you one million dollars. And everybody million. starts laughing yeah, at Robert Conrad goes, you know, it's really not worth what it was when you went into prison. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was fantastic. It was fair. One million. They're like, ha, ha, ha. Who cares? They didn't care at all. That was a, that was a good series of movies. Oh, our uh, guest was is two calling of them, in. Really? Oh, okay, well, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with our guest right after this. All right. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about one of them? Sure, Tommy. Theory Z Media started two years ago as a digital media agency. They wanted to build it their way, the same way our team built the bank, to do what they love, but also in the way that suited their lives and growing families. We helped them navigate the Paycheck Protection Program loan process when the pandemic started, so they could keep expanding their business. The pandemic hit many local businesses hard, and I know North American Banking Company's been right there to help many of them. Right, and it's something we're continuing to do as a bank that is invested in the growth and success of our customers and the community. Theory Z Media is now a million dollar company and are growing with the help and resources that our team was able to provide. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 
As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza Sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza Sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. We're rocking out, man. That's all I know. Yeah, baby. I said rocking out. Ladies and gentlemen, so many many employees working from home. What's going to happen to all the office buildings? Will America's downtown metros remain ghost towns? The Other Side of Success is the name of the book, Money and Meaning in the Golden State. Our special guest, Martin Sawa. How are you doing, Martin? Fine, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm telling you, we were just, in a way, talking about this. We were comparing $1,955 with $2021, and man, $100 was worth a lot in the mid-50s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's for sure. No doubt about it. it it's going to be interesting, Martin, because people are working from home. Uh, a lot of people, of course, in Minneapolis, one of the first places that caught on fire, uh, you know, a year ago, I guess in May, it'll be a year. But a lot of people I know are questioning whether they'll ever return to work in downtown Minneapolis. They don't consider it to be safe anymore. And if you can work from home, I mean, you make the point that, uh, you know, people are, are, are getting paid. They can work from anywhere, still making that San Francisco, New York kind of money. Are they ever going to return to work in a, in a commercial building? What do you think? Well, I, I just I think it depends a lot on the type of business and the sure. uh, paying uh, San Francisco wages across the country. Um, I don't think many companies are going to be doing that. No. Uh, the ones that can are largely probably uh, remote work already and you know, know what the cost is to them and so forth. But I think there will be a pretty fundamental shift uh, for remote work. Uh, here in California, uh, where I cut my teeth in San Francisco and Los Angeles, uh, the downtowns have been uh, virtually a ghost town for the last mm-hmm. year. And uh, it won't be till, you know all the restrictions are fully lifted that we're going to see that kind of occupancy. Uh, but some firms in San Francisco, some tech firms were already moving to Texas before COVID. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Most people think uh, that uh, the average employer will adopt some kind of hybrid where people come in a couple of days a week and uh, then work from home. That makes sense. You know, I just did notice something, Martin, and I have to warn our listeners here in Minnesota. Yes, Martin is a Badger fan, but don't hold it against him. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're booing you, Martin. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Martin. Martin went to the University of Wisconsin, baby, received a BA from the University of Wisconsin. Great school. It is a great school. University of Minnesota, University of Wisconsin. Hey, look, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin should just all be the same state anyway. It's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was born uh, just downriver in Prairie du Chien. So, oh, yeah. I love that Prairie du Chien, no question native. about that. Oh, Wisconsin native, went to University of Wisconsin, ended up uh, going to San Jose State, and you kind of, after college, you just kind of stayed out in, uh, out in uh, California? Yeah, I, I moved out uh, after I graduated and uh, n- never really looked back. I threw all my long underwear somewhere near Kansas. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> right out the car, right out the window. I like that. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Martin. I, I do a morning radio show as well, and we have four people on the show. Two of them are in a, a studio in Minneapolis. Another one is in a studio in Montana, and I'm in a studio in Palm Beach, Florida. So uh, you talk about working from anywhere. You couldn't get farther apart to do a morning talk show, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and, you can and, you know, have hosts in different countries and uh, show broadcast in, in a different city or country. It's just amazing, though. It is absolutely. What, Martin, what do you think of, uh, now I, I should mention that uh, Martin is a commercial real estate entrepreneur, Martin Sawa, uh, spent his career selling commercial real estate, skyscrapers, office buildings, retail parks, the whole shooting match. One of the concerns we have in Minneapolis right now, because, you know, the George Floyd situation, the rioting did start pretty much right away, and Target Corporation just announced they're going to take about 35% of the people out of downtown Minneapolis and move them elsewhere. That's going to hurt all those restaurants, the the retail outlets. What are we going to do about something like that? What would you do about something like that, Martin? Is there any way to entice people, to lure people back downtown? Well, we have the same problem out here uh, in right. San Francisco, uh, in Los Angeles, uh, not just downtown, but in other neighborhoods. Uh, right. You know, issues with, uh, with the homeless and what I call un supervised encampments, and generally just uh, a breakdown in the rule of law. And uh, I'm not even talking necessarily about policing and crime, but just kind of a respect for property and whatnot. So it's it's a real problem. And until the voters, until the residents vote in people who you know, are willing to do the right thing. Uh, I don't. I don't see an, an easy answer. Martin, is there a, is there too much to gain for politics? And I'm not condemning all politicians; just most of them, because if there's any money to be made from this kind of thing for a politician, they're not going to do anything to win it because they're making money from it. You know, they're getting more votes. They're getting more donations. The donations have gone psychotic in this country now, all based on. What has happened in the past year, not only COVID, but the riots and the burning and all the rest of it. So I don't know. I, I, I just I would like to believe we could bounce back. But do you think it, I don't know. There's no way it's ever going to go back to what it was a year and a half ago, is it? I, I don't think so. And I'm not sure yeah. really where the country is headed. Uh, you know, I I'm mean, I have a uh, pretty large family, kids stepkids, grandkids, 
extended families, uh, and uh, I just try to help prepare them as best as possible for for a world that you know I, I wouldn't have imagined. I, things I see in my lifetime. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to be more optimistic, but you know I want to be candid uh, with your listeners, just in terms of giving my opinion. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes complete. But Martin, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your history. You're a young man. You grew up Prairie du Chien, uh, went to the University of Wisconsin. You had a dream. Uh, you go out to San Jose State, uh, master planning, urban planning from San Jose State University. You have this dream in your head. You have this desire to go in and develop cities and commercial real estate. And all. I mean, this was your life dream, wasn't it, Martin? Yeah, I I got into the business probably different than most people, uh, young people do today. Uh, I was working in uh, San Jose as a city planner and living in Oakland, which was uh, about a 40, 50-mile commute, which was bad even back then. And uh, my wife was pregnant with her daughter, and I was flat broke. So I was almost 30 years old, and I just uh, one day quit my job and got a real estate license and uh, got into investment property sales, uh, which I thought would pay the biggest commissions. And uh, I went about a year uh, without making a dime and had you know, to kite credit cards and do whatever I needed to do to support the family. Uh, but then uh, once I broke in, uh, it, uh, it got pretty exciting. So that was that was my start, uh, but there was always the you know the American dream and the California dream, where with a little uh, hard work and some luck, and just given the opportunity, uh, there's no guarantees, but given the opportunity, uh, you can succeed. Yeah, I see that. That's a wonderful way to look at it, Martin. I really, really like that. You, you got to work hard. You got to get after it. Uh, everyone, and I do believe you're right. I think in, in America, if you'll roll the dice and you'll take the chance and you'll work really, really hard, I think America's still America. You can really do well if you're willing to do those things, don't you think? I, I sure do. And again, I look at family and uh, friends, and uh, in. They each have to find their niche or find it in their own way. Um, but, uh, yes, you can do it. It's, it's just things have gotten so confused in the messaging and, uh, you know, all the stuff you see on your handheld gadgets uh, makes it more difficult. Um, but uh, it, it can be done. And if you're willing, I guess the best advice I could give is a Japanese proverb. Uh, you fall down seven times and get up eight. And, uh, and that's what my parents did when they mm-hmm. uh, lived uh, under Stalin and Hitler in the years before and during the Second World War and then emigrated to America afterwards. God, what a story that is! I mean, do you mind talking a bit more about that? Because so this was this was before or, or during World War II. When, when did they move to America? Uh, well, if for those listeners who are familiar with history, uh, they lived, uh, they grew up in Ukraine. Mm. In a, oh, sure, sure. In a town uh, called, or a city uh, called Ternopil. 
and uh, I made my first visit back to Ukraine. It was about 10 years ago, and uh, learned more about just uh, the horror of life back then. Uh, and they they escaped uh, when the Red Army had had stopped the Germans at Stalingrad and was now pushing them oh. back towards Berlin. And uh, between Hitler and Stalin, it wasn't much of a choice. Uh, it was the worst possible situation on the either <laughs> exactly. one. So they fled uh, Ternopil, and uh, when when the Red Army was approaching, and then lived day to day, you know, in uh, Europe uh, until the war ended, just trying to dodge death and stay alive. Oh, sure. And then uh, after the war ended, they lived in a displaced persons camp. Uh, if you've heard of those, because after the war, mm-hmm. there were millions of people just wandering around all over Europe. It was pretty crazy. So. They were there for four years until uh, they were allowed to immigrant, immigrate to the America. And I was conceived in one of those DP camps, but birthed on U.S. soil after they arrived. So you're so. an anchor baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, you are that, an anchor baby. It works so, out. Can I ask a quick question? So if I remember my history right, Stalingrad was, what, 1944? Uh, Stalingrad was actually uh, uh, 42, 43. Okay. Yeah. So they were that wandering was the around. That the battle of yeah. World War II. So they were wandering mm-hmm. around on their own for a couple of years then until the war? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. God, isn't that amazing? What a story that is. You know what? One thing I like to hear about that, Martin, is because... Uh, we, we're going through this deal right now that apparently America is the worst place on earth and there's no place worse. And How did it go for me, the greatest dream of everyone to move to America and escape what was going on in the Eastern Hemisphere, what was going on in a lot of other places? In 75, 76 years, we've gone from the greatest place in the world to, oh, my God, is it horrible. Can I how, take, can I take a pe- moment to complain about having to wear a mask at the grocery store? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. But I just I don't know how that happened, though. We Everybody still wants to come here. I mean, obviously, we opened our southern border, and tens of thousands of people are coming in. People still want to come to America. Why are Americans uh, looking down on, on themselves the way they are? How did that happen? That's, that's a great question. And uh, I'm just, for my own personal study, just kind of diving into that as I have time. And right. I haven't formed any conclusions, but uh, I think, uh, you know, my generation, the baby boomers, and right. then there was the crazy 60s, and that kind of opened the portal to freedom and license. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was rightfully concern for, you know, the people in uh, you know who who had had less or just couldn't pull themselves up, and so I think you know that started uh, you, you know what could have become and well was uh, there was so so much that was gained in the last fifty years, but at the same time there was uh, 
uh, I think, a movement, and I, I kind of dismissed it, but I would call it this uh, postmodern nihilism or deconstruction of reality. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a fringe uh, movement in universities, and it, it never made much sense, but I think it gained currency through the years. And a lot of what you're seeing now it is based on that, and it wasn't by accident. It was engineered and orchestrated over time, and it's just kind of reaching its fruition. And that yeah. sounds crazy, but you know that's uh, that's what the evidence is showing me. As as an example, the San Francisco Unified School District uh, about a month ago voted to rename 44 of its public right. schools. Uh, on on the basis of racism, and that word, uh, well, this this will demonstrate that word doesn't mean much anymore. Uh, on the list uh, was obviously George Washington, and then Abraham Lincoln. That may have raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, uh, but oddly, uh, Diane Feinstein, who is the sitting. U.S. Senator for California, who's been that for 30 years, a liberal Democrat, and before that was mayor of San Francisco for 10 years. Mm, right. So if you believe this is about race as, you know, however you, you might want to define it, then you're just, mm. uh, you're dreaming. I couldn't agree more. Martin, do you have a few more minutes? I need to take a very, very quick break. Can you come back and spend a few more minutes with us? Oh, Sure. Okay, we'll take a very, just a couple of minute break. We're back with Martin Soa. Uh, the book, ladies and gentlemen, The Other Side of Success, Money and Meaning in the Golden State. It's available on Amazon, which means it's available everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Right back with Martin and Doug and Andy, right after this. Dan Chesky is here from Dan's Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more 
when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Showing off again, ladies and gentlemen. That's not me. It's Ted Ooh. Watson. Oh. I know. Ted Watson, you told me that before. It's a hell of a drummer. He's really a great drummer. drummer. We are back. Martin Soa, our very special guest. So many employees working from home. What's going to happen to all the office buildings? Will America's downtown metros remain ghost towns? See, even reading that, Martin, it breaks my heart because when I was a little boy, I could walk from our neighborhood in North Minneapolis to downtown Minneapolis. And, I mean, as a an 8-year-old, 9-year-old, mostly 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, I would go downtown and I'd look at all these big buildings and I'd go, man, I want to work down here someday. I'd look at these high, fancy restaurants and go, someday I'm going to make enough money to be able to eat there. And a couple of those restaurants are still uh, still uh, in business. I just hope they survive this, Martin. I really do. It's been a lifelong thing. I love downtown Minneapolis, but, man, it's a little unsettling right now. Yeah, it's it's been tough. Uh, I felt the same way uh, before I moved to California. I hitchhiked out here and uh, I took driveway cars for uh, the listeners that remember what those were. And I remember the first time I hitchhiked up to, I was coming from L.A. up the coast to San Francisco and just uh, getting dropped off downtown and kind of wandering among the high rises and just, uh, you know, dreaming bigger dreams. So, but uh, yeah, that's it's not like that anymore. Yeah, it is not like that anymore. And Martin, I tell you, I'm, my son Andy is on the show with us today, and I, I, it kind of makes me feel bad for for people Andy's age and, and younger because are they going to get the same opportunity to to live the dream they've wanted to live? I mean, is it, Andy, what do you think? Do you think you'll be able to live your dream? I think uh, I mean. You can't live what the dream was 30, 40 years ago. No. But you can live a different kind of dream as long as you're willing to adapt. You know, it's, it's like, you know, two, three hundred years ago, if you wanted to be, you know, like a premier blacksmith, you go right ahead. You want to be a blacksmith today, you might want to uh, change, <laughs> change your future because you're not going to do very well. It's... But today, everything is web-based, everything is on the cloud, everything is remote, and you just kind of have to accept the fact that that's where everything's going. You know, everything is big business now. The, uh, yeah. the idea of, like, just starting up, a, the idea of being, being the build, next Bill Gates, going into your garage, making windows, and all of a sudden you're a billionaire, that's not as attainable as it was 30 years ago, but there are still definite avenues for success. That was always a moonshot, though. I mean, well, most people course, come yeah. along one or two every generation. I yeah. think, you know, if you're good at something, what it is going to open up is more opportunities, because you know, we're doing a right. lot of... I'm working with a software company that Walzer started, and we're able to hire people now from all over the world, because we don't have to get together other than yep. sit in front right. of horrible mm-hmm. Zoom meetings, which totally blow, Everyone but when you think about it, you know... A, a, as little as a year ago, if you were going to hire a software engineer, chances are you would have to, you'd be restricted to a 50-mile radius of your company, right? Yep. And now You'd have to go in and 
program on the mainframe because right. you didn't have a computer that could handle that kind of thing at yeah. home. And even if you did, how do you get the code over to your company? Well, so and the internet was, was slow. There was an, 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 an allergic reaction from employers. It's like, well, we can't have people not working in the, you know, the yeah. big hive. What it was are, unheard of. What yeah. are they going to do if they're unsupervised? All hell will break loose. Mm -hmm. Now they're going... Oh yeah, now I got my pick of employees from all over the globe. So I think that you're right. You can't have a 40-year-old dream, but the, the opportunities will always present themselves. There's always going to be some work. sort of opportunity, Good. basically, no matter where you are. You know, with certain exceptions, of course. But whale oil sales yeah. and not being a very great career. No, you can't. Yeah, whale oil probably not the best. And you're right about I, that. I scribe hieroglyphics. <laughs> yeah. How much do you want to pay me? <laughs> there you go. Martin, I, I do have to ask you a question. <clears throat> As I pointed out that, you know, I'm in one place and the people are in other places and all the rest of it. There's a building being built just on a block from where I am right now. It's uh, looked to be about five, six stories, something like that. It takes up about, oh, I'd say a quarter, a quarter of a city block. And the amazing thing about it is I was talking to, to the developer and it's what people under 30, well, under 35, I guess is the way he put it. There's not one apartment in that building that's bigger than 1,000 square feet. Most of them are around 700 square feet. People don't – is that is – that, I mean, you, it's your business. Um, you, you've been in this business your whole life. Is that a prudent idea? Do you think it's a good idea? It's like, hey, we want to – you know, we want to just live in 700, 800, 900 square feet. We don't need this big a deal, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think that's the future? Uh, it's it's a complicated uh, issue. Just just been listening to you guys talk. Uh, as an example, my stepson, I uh, just uh, got a job. He doubled his salary with a tech company in the uh, state of Washington. And mm -hmm. they're, they're almost 100% remote work. They've got people in India, Croatia, all over the place. And he loves it, and that's what he's good at. <laughs> and he, he, will, he will do quite well. And he says, I, I may never step into an office building again for the rest of my life. Yeah. And for him, he's uh, paraplegic, and it just he prospered during COVID. Uh, for other people it the the forecast isn't so good if you don't have that skill level and the the tech revolution i think is a little different than the industrial revolution because uh it's affected now services and you know uh, not just uh, heavy industry so there are going to be a lot of people without the skills and machine intelligence uh, will even accelerate that process so uh, you got to really pick and dedicate yourself to the niches that are going to prosper. And in terms of the real estate, uh, even like uh, whether an apartment or an office building, what that meant, you know, even a few years ago, it's, it's constantly changing. And I, I think the young people who uh, want to live uh, that kind of lifestyle and be uh, in the central core area and have the restaurants and all of that. Uh, th that's, that's the market for that particular developer. But as they get older, I think more now of the, uh, you know, millennials and, and others are going to be moving, uh, you know, to suburban locations to 
uh, start families because the downtown core, just in terms of raising kids, isn't you know isn't a great idea for most people. No, and it's it's funny because I was as I said I was talking to a developer because he was on site that day, and I said I have to ask you a question. You don't have to tell me the truth if you don't want to, but did you design this building in a way? that if the 700, 800-square-foot apartment uh, falls out of favor, can you take a few walls out and turn every place into a 1,600 or 2,400-square-foot residence because you just take three of the smaller ones, put them together? Now you got a really nice size apartment. And he said, maybe. That <laughs> 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 was very funny. I thought it was great. Well, every, every then, employer now is reevaluating remote work, uh, that has direct implications for the real estate and how you configure an office building and the space, and sure. uh, you, you're probably no longer going to have these uh, cubicles jammed in there, but kind of open areas and sheltered workspaces and, you know, new uh, hygiene and HVAC and all kinds of things. So uh, the nature of the build-out is, is changing, too. The outside will look the same, but the inside will be a lot different. Yeah, that's exactly what this guy was talking about. It will look a lot different from now on. That's, that was his vision of the whole thing, which I believe to be true. I, I just, I think you do have to be prudent about this, though. It, you know, don't lock yourself into these tiny apartments uh, because if you do, and you have no way to, I suppose you can always tear a wall down, even if you didn't design it that way. But it'd be a lot easier if you could make it. You know, just, hey, look, we need a couple of places to be 2,400 square feet now and, and just do it. So that that does make And I got the impression from the look in his eye that that's, that's exactly what he was doing. Do we have to be a lot more adaptable to making things bigger and making things smaller as time moves on? Because people seem to be changing their minds quite often now about how they want to live, how big a place they want, how hard they want to work. A lot of people don't want to work 40 hours a week anymore. Have you run across that, Martin? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That's been the case oh, for yeah. a long time, but uh, <laughs> no, you you either are committed or you're not. What uh, one of the central themes of my book, The Other Side of Success, is the idea of putting skin in the game. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything more important uh, in my business. Or, or my personal life, for that matter, uh, that in business it, it can be money, it can be time, it can be reputation, but you have something at risk, and you have particularly downside risk. Okay, if if you you make poor choices, you you pay the consequences. Yeah. Um, people today are being lulled into the sense that they can achieve success without meaningfully putting skin in the game. And, oh, yeah. And that's, uh, that, that's kind of a tragedy. But uh, all the, the images you see on TV and on, on your computer screen and your iPhone and all the noise and all the misinformation, but if, if somebody presents an image enough time, people start to believe it as if it's real. And so that makes it even harder because uh, young people, they, they can get confused pretty easily. 
I could see that. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called The Other Side of Success, Money and Meaning in the Golden State. It's on Amazon. It's available everywhere. Martin's name is spelled S-A-W-A, Martin Sawa. Martin, you've been a terrific guest. I appreciate your time today, sir. Thanks so much, Tom. Absolutely. Have a good day, sir. We will take a break. Be back right up to this.